Weirdo bookworms unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. genre junkies this is sandra and this is scott and welcome to another episode how's things things are things they're <laughs> going along actually things are pretty good good today things are pretty good today we got um we got our garden in for herbs and stuff and so many herbs so many herbs and it's just like it's looking pretty rad yeah i'm very excited this yeah. is kind of something that uh gardening is kind of a new new little hobby for me sandra's kind of been involved in it back and forth so yeah you know i've been doing my thing as sandra calls it night on bald mountain where i'm doing all this research what to plant next to what how much space each plant makes and sandra's like just put it in the ground <laughs> scott gets excited about something it's like a shadow falls over his face and you hear the night on bald mountain music you know the <laughs> you know thing because he just gets like really captivated by his activity um so that's cool <laughs> and let's see quarantine still quarantining a little bit of stuff lifted in our area which is cool so getting to safely and responsibly um get out into the world a little bit more has been really nice we're doing pretty good in our neck of the woods yeah things have been pretty good um Things have stayed very steady to somewhat declining. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Sandra and I are being very careful and we're still following all of the guidelines and everything. Sometimes we're tempted not to, but we still have been (laughs) strong. We're staying strong. Um, Let's see. We still got Spooky Slumber Party coming out. There should be a new episode very soon when you're listening to this. And, of course, you can catch me every week on The Colt Show Live on YouTube. Um, We do a fun little thing every Friday night since we're in lockdown and Scott produces that live show. So it's, you know, it's a fam affair and we just talk about horror stuff and genre stuff and cult stuff. It's a fun show. And like Sandra said, I have been the video producer since lockdown has started. Mm-hmm. And it's been um, really fun to learn how to do all of that. Yeah, it's cool. And we have a we have a lot of fun. We we get pretty rowdy. And we yell a lot. We got banned us. by YouTube for a while. So we that's did, how fun it is. Man. Like, <laughs> you know, the the powers that be the machine doesn't want our content out there. Just kidding. It was a misunderstanding. <laughs> It's all done. It's all swept under the rug. It's fine. fine. (laughs) So tonight, we are talking about a sci-fi horror book called Eden by Tim LeBon. I am stoked to talk about this book. So to throw in a little snippet of free advertising, we got this book sent to us by Nightworms. It was in our Nightworms package. Yes, it was in our Nightworms package that we we subscribe to and pay for and get every month. And we get so many great things from them. If you're looking for, you know, original horror that's specially curated and the box is not full of a whole bunch of tchotchkes that end up up in a box or end up on that shelf that you know is overflowing and you don't know half the stuff that's there and you just want to get some really good books subscribe to nightworms because they send you gems like eden oh my gosh we love nightworms and we always you guys know we always post our unboxing on instagram we do like a little a little live and it's always saved so you can go back and look at them and we just geek out and we have so much fun and these this box is made by these two 
amazing ladies who are true, true horror and well genre, but definitely horror fans. And um, it's legit. I don't know why people are still sleeping on Nightworms. If you are like, what's wrong with you? Get your life together. Go, go check it out. And hey, Nightworms, if you want to hear more of these, you know, hit us up. Like, you know, we're, we're... You, know you know where to find us. <laughs> you know where to find us. Um, so tonight, like I said, we're going to be talking about Eden by Tim LeBon. Let me tell you a little bit about this book. Earth's rising oceans contain enormous islands of refuse, the Amazon rainforest is all but destroyed, and countless species edge towards extinction. Humanity's last hope to save the planet lies with the virgin zones, 13 vast areas of land off-limits to people and given back to nature. Dylan leads a clandestine team of adventure racers, including his daughter Jen, into Eden, the oldest of the zones. Jen carries a secret. Kat, Dylan's wife, who abandoned them both years ago, has entered Eden ahead of them. Jen is determined to find her mother, but neither she nor the rest of their tight-knit team are prepared for what confronts them. Nature has returned to Eden in an elemental primeval way, and here, nature is no longer humanity's friend. So right away... From that, I was hooked. I was so in. Um, this this book is just like it's so me. It is it's so me. Very you. And I mean, the second we opened this Nightworms package, I believe there's record of it on our Instagram. Yeah, Sandra read the back of this book and was just, I have to read this book. Oh, I've just been like just dying to read it. It's just been killing me. So one of the things is since we got this from Nightworms, we got a signed little book plate that I put in our copy in the front, and we also got a letter from the author. Author, Tim LeBron. And um, that really added a whole new layer for me, just getting to read about him and his interests and who he is, you know, in his own words and what kind of inspired this book and his writing. And for me, like, I, I can't wait to get my hands on everything the man's written. Um, we are totally two, two peas in a pod, he and I. So he's an auto-buy for you now? He's an auto-buy for me, and I really need to go back and read his back catalog of books. Um, so yeah, Eden, let's talk about our experience score with reading this book. Let's do it. Do you mind if I go first? Sure. Okay, I want to go first because I, I want it's it's been a while since I've given a book this score and I kind of want to want to preface what this means because this is still this is a good score even though with how many page turners and and obsessions we've given out it might not sound like it. This is a good read. This is the kind of book for me that I want to sit down, you know, right before bed or, you know, after after dinner when I relax and read a chapter or two at a time. I this is this is like a nice like you know absorb a little bit of a time book for me mm-hmm. a- and and so good read is where i would classify this for my experience this was an obsession for me <laughs> i knew it would be <laughs> this was absolutely an obsession for me um I don't know, as I kind of said, like, I've kind of like raved on a little bit about it. But to be more specific, this is a title of environmentalist horror. And that is so, so what I'm into. I am, God knows I'm not perfect. And I'm trying and I learn stuff every day. But I've been an environmentalist since I was a, a kid. I'm super into it. I'm super into learning and growing and communicating and talking to people about being good stewards of our our planet and you know caring and um, i'm 
just been so happy over time how much that movement has just grown and all the stuff we know now. I I pride myself on this being a huge part of my personality and who I am. And then obviously horror is a huge part of my personality and who I am. And now I've found this writer who gave me both and apparently this is thematic in his writing, so I can't wait to read it. And then add to it, there is runners in this book they are running in it and like that is so me i am not a um not like a crazy crazy intense distant runner but i do run uh distance and in nature i'm a trail runner so the idea of these people these environmentalists going out and running around in nature it was like hi and it's horror oh hi yeah yeah my name's sandra i i'll be your guide Yeah, I, I, when I when when um when I realized that the main characters the, the main conceit is that they were ultra runners, mm-hmm. and that was where a lot of the action takes place and the conversations happen while they're running, I knew immediately this is this is absolutely Sandra's jam right here. Yeah. And you're right, adding into that the nature element yes. is is makes for a really strong concept. Um, I love any sort of thematic thing in art or media and in real life when nature reclaims something. Uh, we, drove, we drove through an area not that long ago where there had been like a really bad fire and Scott was like, look, it's all grown over. And I was like, yes, nature's taking <laughs> it back. Um, like, I just, I love that. I love that stuff. And I loved the concept of these zones. And I think... Um, like it gets a little sciencey. Like there's a science element to this, a science science fiction element, of yeah, course. Yeah. Um, but m- more so than that, it's it's more theoretical. Um, but like, what do we do when in the very near future, if we don't get our act together as a species, that we realize, okay, we've not got that much longer. Because we've ruined the planet. So, you know, all the nations got together and they're like, okay, we're going to make these 13 little, as they call them, virgin zones. And it's like, it sounds nice in theory, but, you know, is it too late? And, you know, what's from stopping pollutants to still get in? And humans, (laughs) as is the case with this. Yeah, it's just an interesting question of, have we gone too far to try to fix what we've done? And, and this book does a really good job of exploring a lot of different viewpoints. Uh, it, it it uses a fairly common uh, trope of before every chapter, there's excerpts from different, you know, magazines, uh, uh government documents, blog posts mm-hmm. from different people discussing about the cr- from the creations of these zones as well as up to current day and and you know what people feel about it. And throughout the course of the book it does a really good job of one kind of explaining to you the world in a slow drip feed mm-hmm. as well as giving you those different perspectives from from different people as far as how they feel and what they've seen. Right. And um I loved even, you know, kind of our our environmental loving people, our team that we get pretty attached to in this book, you know, there's even the question of, are they, it's like they're, they're breaking the rules by going into these zones. People are not supposed to be in them. Like helicopters don't fly over. And every time people have gotten involved in the zones, stuff goes terribly, terribly wrong. But it's like, they're kind of coming at it from this perspective of, but we love it and we love nature so much. And we just want to be immersed in that remaining bit of it. And they, and they try to be as responsible 
responsible as possible going in and not disturbing. And But it's still like, uh, is that still like, okay, though? Like, I couldn't help but question, like, should they even be doing this? There's there's definitely questions as far as the as where the characters are coming from when it comes to their, uh, you know, their like moral reasons. Exactly. And yeah. things that are, are relevant right now when it comes to us kind of starting to try to, you know, find a way to to come out of this quarantine and you know you kind of always think that well i'm i'm responsible and i'm different and i i yeah, care I, about I'm it i'm not gonna and mess it up yeah. right and is that necessarily correct yeah and a couple of weeks ago there was a really good 60 minutes y'all <laughs> like sandra, <laughs> never, sandra never misses 60 minutes and they talked about the virus and, and and as it relates to nature and you know the history of viruses and how we can come out of this um as better stewards for the planet and stuff and it was just like perfect because i was reading this book and i like shook it i like raised it in the air and i shook it and I'm like, everybody needs to be reading Eden right now. Um, so let's just hope that as we come out of this, we are going to live up to being better stewards of the planet. Um, and Eden has a thing or two to teach us about that. It does. It certainly does. Well, I guess we should kind of say our appeal scores. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go first on this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give this a general appeal. I think that this is not, uh, you know, this is this is more than just a horror thriller. It has a lot of really good stuff for people to read. This does not go to incredibly deep, depraved levels that will sometimes keep horror away from more of the masses. But it does have some pretty, um, it does have something very strong to say and, and, and in ways that are unapologetic, which, you know, some people will absolutely get into and some people it just won't really be their thing. Um, but that that's why I'm going to give it that's why I feel it fits into a general appeal. Um, I actually agree. I, I mean, I'm general, but I could see this as a little bit more mass as well. Um, I think, like you said, like it doesn't have to be just horror people or just people who like kind of science and speculative fiction. Um, I think that it's a little more open than that because it's it's got some like pretty great horror imagery in it, but it's not... Um, excessively violent and gory but there is some gore like yeah i don't know but he writes it in a really um elegant way yeah. <laughs> i guess it's a good way to put it but i do think that it's um important stuff to be thinking about always the environment and our role in it and you know do we uh do we want to do it not only to be good and be <laughs> good to the, to our wonderful wonderful life sustaining planet but you know what if we piss it off <laughs> <laughs> like what what then hmm and uh yeah gotta gotta read it i love it this is definitely since it's an obsession it's up there for my book of the year i i think this is absolutely a valid read and um you know whereas the experience i disagree with sandra i think this is more of a of a fun you know read in spurts kind of a book mm. those spurts are real good <laughs> those spurts are real good they're real good okay everybody we're gonna go to the spoiler section please come along with us if you want to know all the gritty details of eden enjoying the show please like and subscribe on itunes you can find us on twitter and instagram at genre junkies and don't forget to visit the website genrejunkies.com. junkies.com 
Welcome back. Okay, okay. Here's just first first thing off the bat. Off the bat. I actually almost kind of reread. I kind of skimmed the first few chapters again at one point because we don't know where Eden is, right? Geographically? Uh it is in England. No, it's not. The the town that they refer to in it Naxford, is... but I couldn't find Naxford. Oh, that's cuz you had actually asked me about that too. Yeah. And there's a zone in Wales that they talk about quite a bit. There's a zone in Canada that they talk about quite a bit. There's like one in the Congo and there's like one in um, Russia and there's like, I think one in South or Central America. Hmm. There's 13 zones. Yeah. And I don't know if he deliberately being sneaky didn't tell us exactly where it is. I I could definitely buy that. Um, I mean, I was getting North America vibes. Well, I was too at first, and I had to kind of, I guess, say check myself a little bit. Yeah. Because I definitely got a lot of vibes of of particularly like Northern California, a little bit of Colorado. Well, there's a river that opens to the ocean. Yeah. So it's not a landlocked state. Um, But, you know, I realized that that's also just kind of coming from my own experience. This is what I know. Right. And Northern California is like a lot of places, really. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's foxes, coyotes, wolves. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And I think it was just really smart of him to not make it too specific. Yeah, the fact that I could that I could just as easily place it right here at home yeah. as I could, you know, somewhere else yeah. says something for the setting. Right. And I think that was really smart cuz I mean it could be England, but it's um I don't know, it's it's not cold. I, I don't, not that England's always cold. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> the fact of the matter is is that he gave us enough hints that I think it could be adaptable to a lot of places. There's times when I'm like, is this like Germany? Like, yeah, there was just a lot going went on um i like that i you know as much as i said i would be one of these people and i would be an adventure racer in this Mm -hmm. version of the future gotta figure out the bathroom and shower thing though because like sandra (laughs) doesn't i don't like to rough it i love (laughs) to be in nature i love to be in nature and i'm a trail runner and i'm all about that life but i need creature comforts i need a real bathroom not a spade (laughs) and i need a shower i'm not doing 20 days without shower people and everything is just what you carry on your back so there's no shower there no no bathroom there no (laughs) i was horrified i mean like i can i can handle those things myself (laughs) but i couldn't imagine i mean i couldn't imagine running 20 miles in a day period but i couldn't imagine doing all of that and then having to dig a hole to use the restroom I mean, those two combined, I know. Here's the thing. If this is my only chance to experience nature, I guess I'd have to figure it out and I'd do it. Um, I would not be looking for the ghost orchid, which was a cool concept, by the way. It was. And and it was introduced fairly late in the book, too. Yeah. And it's it's funny because um, the cover is definitely the ghost orchid. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And in, 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 I think, the second cat chapter, there is reference to the orchids and the flowers. Yeah. But, but, you know, a concept like that, a, 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 you know, 
possibly omni-intelligent flower. Yeah. Uh, one that that is, you know, a legend and could capture millions of dollars on the black market. Yeah. That's something you typically would have introduced to you in the first chapter. I think um, one of the, the benefits to delaying it a little is that Cove is looking for something, but we don't know what, and everybody's motives are so altruistic that it's almost like oh my gosh wait like this is a thing it was kind of nice to have it be later because it makes you um trust the characters more yes and then suddenly it's like oh this is this is a thing and then one of us on the team wants it and you know like he's not a bad person no he's that's you get to know him as a as a good person, which is why it's really fascinating that that he just he just doubles down on that he wants it for the money. He doesn't have an altruistic vision for it. He doesn't want it because it's going to cure the human race of all disease. He sees it as being a way to continue his way of life. Yeah, and I think um, the only rough part was how he treated Lucy and how he was kind of like, well, she's kind of just dead anyway, and I, I, I this is my chance to look for the flower. And so he kind of left her in her dying moments. That was pretty. It was, that was pretty fucked up. Yes. Um, in my kind of witchy sensibility that I am, I love this notion of elementals. And that is um what I got a lot from like what cat becomes. Is this what we would consider we in quotes would consider a supernatural being when really it's the most natural thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It is nature. Yeah. I, I mean, I took I took uh, Lilith to really be the lilies, not the lilies, but the orchids. Right. That it was, it you know, Cat kind of explains it as almost a parasite. So yes. it's like a parasitic intelligence that is, um, you know, that that that's also symbiotic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, there's kind of this symbiotic's a good word, but it is um like a spiritualism is what I got from it because it's kind of like being possessed by something. Yes. Like you're kind of being ridden, right? And like, you know, there's parts where she can close her eyes and she can see a badger digging a hole over here and a bird on wing <laughs> over on this side. And that's not something that can be explained scientifically. That's a spiritual sort of thing. It's kind of this omnipresence. Well, let me say that I appreciate that in this book, uh, it does not go, you know, deep into the science of it because it certainly could have. It doesn't go deep into the science or the spiritual side. He really lets you interpret. Because I I get what you're saying as far as spirituality is concerned. And I think that it's really cool that you got that. Whereas from myself, there are parasites that take over the nervous system of their hosts. Yeah. And the way that I translated this was more that, you know, the flowers are growing out of cat. Yeah. And so I have I had this idea in my head of of basically this this parasitic orchid is infecting these animals, which is allowing Lilith to control them mentally, to ride them in right. a sense. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. He leaves that to your interpretation a bit because it's not fully explored either way. But that's really cool. That it's it, it doesn't, it doesn't so have smart. to be like in my head, this completely scientific thing. No. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be completely supernatural either. There's room in it to both. be both. And because I like it's, that. And it's like, because it's something we don't understand because we're 
where um, we've lost our connection, quote unquote, to the natural world, right? Um, and I like in there, they kind of theorize too, that the orchids only happen in places where there's been like pain or bloodshed. I, I thought that was very interesting as well. Um, I loved the bobcat and the coyote and the wolf and then eventually the bear all kind of working together with Lilith. Um, you know, like, and it, she chose those creatures specifically and they become really scary. And I love that, like, when Cat, I, not Cat, I'm sorry, when specifically Jen battles them, she feels bad bad she feels dirty for harming these things i felt awful yes i mean I, I talked about in the spoiler free section about this not being a particularly gory novel there's definitely gore yeah but um the the most horrifying violence in the book is the violence against the animals yes and it's like they they have to do it to survive this but at the same time it's like oh but maybe your first mistake was coming into eden in the first place okay and not letting them have it so can we talk about that because yeah. I feel like none of them were in the right. It, it, it's, yeah. it's really easy to say, okay, I'm different. I'm special. I respect this land and I appreciate this land. And that's why it's okay for me to sneak in and do this. Yes. And no, you're not. Right, right. The whole point of this is that humans are never to set foot in there. It's supposed to be completely human free. And it doesn't matter how good your intentions are yeah. or how well you prepare as far as leaving no trace yeah you are you're breaking the point of this you are you're intruding yeah and it's a very it's a very human colonialist ideal absolutely say well to, to even when the land no longer belongs to you it's like, but can, can I just borrow it? Like you have a personal right to go in there, and, and, and but because it's you hard. Own it. But it's so hard because, as you and I both, as nature loving people, it's you can see yourself like in that situation being like, oh my god, I, I just want to experience it. I just want to. Oh yeah, it's I, so. <laughs> it's like it's such a um. I don't know. I hypocrisy. Well, yeah, the other I mean the other side of that is is I love being out in nature, especially where there's nobody else around. Yeah. And so like were were, were I given the opportunity to go into a completely untouched land somewhere around here yeah. that I'm not really supposed to go into? Go. I would probably go. I would go too. So like, no judgment there. Right, but it's, I'm it's no a better. It's a hypocrisy. Yes. Yeah. And um it's really um I mean, it's it's poignant and it's relatable. By the way, I love Guy and I hate that he died. I I loved everybody, really, but I was like, not Guy. I'm sad that everybody died. I mean, with the exception of Jen. And, and Kat. Oh, and Kat. A.K.A. Lilith. But it's it, interesting choice to kill her boyfriend first. Aaron, I did not think Aaron was going to go first. And, I thought Cove was going to go first. And pretty unceremoniously at that. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely gross, like, you know, when they find him. and Oh, my God. She's, like, slipping in it and yeah, everything. And I he, was like, oh, oh, oh. But, you know, it really is a very, fa like, you, the death happens off screen. You discover the, the, the effects afterwards. Right. But, but for the first 
first death and and for it to be that unceremonious to be the love of her life right was just abnormal for this kind of book having um aaron's death occur when it did through a really nice curveball in it because we're used to in western stories especially you know kind of the lovers you know <laughs> fighting it out and you know hopefully escaping together whatever and it turned that narrative on its head and it also um was a great place all of this stuff leading up to that and aaron's death was sowing the seeds of discontent and mistrust and um trouble within the group and then to have aaron's death occur off screen was almost like there was like an ambiguity going on so that the group still couldn't be one way or the other about it um and i liked a lot of that group dynamic stuff kind of coming up. I wouldn't say I was particularly attached to any of these characters besides Guy, um, who I really liked, but I could relate to all of them in that nature-loving way. Um, I also liked some of the things that were explored with, you know, the end of Dylan and Kat's relationship and how that felt so real and so heartbreakingly sad. Um, there was some really cool emotional touch points throughout. Uh, yeah, it, this book is not driven by the characters' relationships. Right. Uh, it's driven by the setting. It's driven by the situation that they've put themselves in. And it doesn't spend a whole lot of time, you know, investing you in their personalities, which is okay in, in this case. Yeah, normally that's very off-putting for me in a book. But it was like, I got enough humanity from everybody and interpersonal and and a connectiveness that I didn't feel like these were, you know, disposable characters or anything. And that they just were kind of there. Like they were important. They they were important. And and I think it's it, you know, this this is reading deeply, but it goes it goes a little bit to the heart of, you know, humanity where all of these people, they're all very close to each other. But a lot of it is based on what they do and what they've done before together. Yes. And and there's yeah. a there's a bit of a of a selfishness in the narrative when it comes to when it comes to Jen and her father who who this story is told in their perspectives where their stories are told in in a in a bit of a selfish manner and I don't mean that negatively but it's all about how it affects them and how they feel about things sure and there's not a whole lot of of um you know exploration and how and how they feel about how what other people are feeling yeah i mean there's a little bit of that you know like the fact that jen wasn't honest about um that cat was in there someplace yeah. probably um yeah that was that was very interesting oh and part of it's because you know those two characters were telling their own stories and it wasn't really their place to tell the stories of the other characters it was nice to get some of the backstories from them though oh yeah absolutely because that was really cool um yeah it was uh I was I was disappointed when everybody died. I mean, obviously, I wanted people to die because it's a horror book. Um, but I was sad every time somebody died. I was like, oh, oh no, oh no. And um, you know, it, one of the things that kept flashing into my mind was, as much as I know, I would be one of these people in this alternate, you know, situation. Um, the thing that really scares me is like, yeah, what if something really bad happens? And they have had bad stuff happen. But I mean, there's no flyover. There's no help. There's, there's no rescue. There's nothing. So the idea that you have to like, you know, I don't know, make a make a bed and carry people out on it. Like if you have to make like a makeshift, you know, like stretcher, like set a, a bone, you know, it's um, and I guess that's part of the a 
appeal is it's kind of a extreme sport and there's risk to it. But at the same time, it's like, isn't that just kind of setting yourself up for something really bad to happen? It is. And, you know, they talk about how they, you know, they did they did risk assessment beforehand. And, you know, they, they've done this before and they know what they're getting into. But that's that's the folly of humans. But like they don't think it's going to happen to them. Yeah. If, if they hear from everybody else, OK, no one's ever made it through Eden. No one's ever come out of Eden the same. Everyone says, hey, this is just, everyone who goes and does happen to come Including out. Pocahontas. Yeah. Who I loved, by the way. Yes. Say, you know, it's not it's not a good place. It's not worth it. Yeah. Oh, but that's not going to happen to them. They're they're just way too prepared. They're better than... Yes. They don't know what they're talking about. It's hubris. It's the hubris. It is the folly of humans. And that hubris is why... I really didn't mind after the initial death, Aaron kind of it kind of shook me a little bit, but yeah. I was rooting for Lilith. I was oh, rooting for nature. Absolutely. I mean, and that's part of the other, you know, kind of thing it does to you uh, psychologically, especially as nature people, especially as environmentalists, is it's like you start to uh, really understand because what it's doing is simply protecting itself because nature is not cruel. Or kind. Nature just does what it does. It runs its course and it's interested in survival. And um, and it's easy to, when you put a human face on it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, like want to think of it as like an enemy, but it's, it's not. And it never is. And that's a really important takeaway from the whole book. And I mean, the fact that, you know, there's an argument to be made that something was going on internally with Kat, you know, being kind of able to see what's happening and Lilith and her having a dialogue and like that Jen gets away is it's almost like nature understands oh yeah that's your baby that's your uh your progeny that's gonna go on uh, i get that yeah i get that as a mother as a father as nature uh i get what you i get that i can see you wanting that one to go <laughs> that 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 one that one is worth being protected yeah there's something about that that was also a very interesting subtle thing that he obviously planted for a reason mm-hmm He's awesome, this Tim. This Tim LeBon. I think he and I are going to be friends. Yeah, I, I like this guy. He has a he has a unique writing style um, in this book. That's that's a uh, that's very invested and yet detached at the same time. That I appreciate. It's a naturalist viewpoint. Yeah, that's which you, you know that's that's a good way. That's a good word for it. And it's blurbed on the back by Adam Neville, Almakatsu, um, Adrian J. Walker, Paul Tremblay, uh, Sarah Pinborough, all star cast. I mean, yeah, like every Josh Mallerman, like everybody that you would want to be like, oh yeah, yeah, like oh these these are like the heavy hitters, and they were into it. And it's um it's not a very long book either. It's just under four hundred pages. And it crams a lot in. Yeah, it is a very fast read if that's the way you choose to to approach it. Oh, for me, I mean, I said obsession, but it was very page turnery. I read this very quickly. Yeah, um, but I th- I feel like the it's pacing. Uh, it's it, it's a good book to just digest over time too. And a really important one for our times that we're living in right now. There's and a lot of parallels. There's so many parallels and just parallels to what we're doing to the planet. And oh, it's just it's just important stuff. It should be required reading. Required reading. Um, 
So without further ado, I guess we should give this Ghost Orchids out of five. Yeah. I might as well go first, because mine is clearly a five out of five Ghost Orchid. A beautiful, delicate, porcelain-looking petal. Um, Nothing I would change about this book. I think it was just a home run. I, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give this four Orchids out of five. Yeah. Um, I think that it's a really good concept with a really strong setting. Um, I, you know, in, in my reading style i would have liked a little bit more depth to the characters and a little bit more exploration but that's because i'm a sucker for characters yes um, i understand that yeah um i also think that this is very much written for people with the same mindset when it comes to nature as the author and it doesn't do a lot to convince you otherwise if you have some differing ideas and i would have liked a little bit more of that as well um but i think for what it is and what it's trying to do it's an excellent book so four out of five orchids Mm. one day we'll have to continue this discussion but today is not that day (laughs) it's really hot out so um stay cool (laughs) stay stay healthy save halloween thank you scott thank you sandra and as always please keep reading past your bedtime (laughs) 